were considering this morning that this world is ruled by the ruler of darkness and that is why the bible says the whole world lies in darkness so when we say that we want to have no part dark in our lives it means that when the ruler of this world comes there's nothing of his spirit in us so i want to think a little bit about that <clears throat> about not having the characteristics of satan anywhere in our life i want you to turn first of all to the book of revelation and chapter 12 i believe that we're going to consider a subject this evening which is very very important something that we have heard about many many times but which has had very little effect on many people sitting here which shows what a tremendous work satan has done to prevent you from responding to something that we have spoken about for many many years and it is quite likely that even after you hear it tonight it may produce no change in your life but that is up to you i hope it will produce a change in some lives revelation chapter 12 we read about <clears throat> the dragon and the dragon is the devil he we read in verse 4 that he dragged one third of the stars of heaven which is probably the other angels and threw them down to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman that was giving birth to the child and that was israel is the woman there is giving birth to jesus and he couldn't touch that child and that child finally was taken up jesus went up to god in his throne verse 5 but then the dragon cannot touch the head now but he touches the body of that man child and that body is you and me and the bible says the devil whether you call him a dragon or a lion is seeking to devour all those who are seeking to keep the commandment of god and hold to the testimony of jesus and it says here in verse 7 there was a war in heaven michael and the angels waged war with the dragon and of course you they were fighting with somebody who had already been defeated on the cross and the dragon was thrown down there were two stages in the devils being thrown down many many years ago long before adam was created 
Satan was thrown down from the third heaven to the second heaven where he is right now. He could not access the third heaven anymore. When he spoke to God in the days of Job, he spoke from the second heaven to the third heaven. He cannot go to the third heaven to the presence of God. He's been thrown out from there because of his pride. But he can roam around on the earth. Now here in Revelation 12 we read of a time when he'll be thrown down from the second heaven to the earth. Then he cannot even go to the second heaven. And then we read later on from the earth he'll be put into the bottomless pit. And from the bottomless pit he'll be thrown into the lake of fire. That's how the devil's history is going to be. And it says here that he is the one who deceives the whole world. Verse 9. Many titles given to him. Great dragon. The old serpent. Verse 9. Devil. Satan. Deceiver of the whole world. He's a deceiver. And we know he's deceived people all over the world with false religion, false Christianity, deceived people through the pleasures of sex, drugs, alcohol, and many, many harmful habits, dirty sexual habits, telling them they'll get pleasure, destroying their life, destroying their usefulness to God, deceiving them through false cults, false teachings. He's the deceiver of the whole world. But you'll never be deceived if you love the truth. Love the truth about yourself and love the truth that you see in God's word. I can guarantee you, I can give it to you in writing. You will never be deceived by the deceiver. If when God speaks to you about your condition, you don't make any excuses... You say, yes, Lord, that is true. That is my condition. That means you love the truth and you want to be saved from that condition. The Bible promises that you will not be deceived. And if you love the truth that you see in God's word, supposing you see a command in God's word, and you immediately obey it, you will not be deceived. Because that proves you love the truth. I don't believe that many of us sitting here have that habit to obey God immediately. Very few people do it immediately. It's one of the things I decided very early in my Christian life was to obey immediately whatever God said. Because Jesus taught us to pray like that. Our Father who art in heaven, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. When God says something, the angels don't say, well, Father, we'll pray about that. Can you imagine an angel telling that? It is stupid believers who say that to God. We're going to pray about it. Why do you need to pray about something which God has already spoken? And I've always seen that such people always have problems in their Christian life. And when they start their Christian life in such a sluggish way, I can guarantee that 50 years later, they will be in the same sluggish condition. Because there are certain traits, habits that you see in a child that they grow up, they behave like that also. A lazy child usually ends up as a lazy child. A hard-working child usually ends up as a hard-working person. And a person who is very sluggish in obedience when he's converted, 50 years later he'll still be sluggish in obedience, useless to God, useless to man, attending numerous conferences, wasting time. But then there are others who are quick to obey. As soon as they hear, as it is done in heaven, they obey. 
and they will never be deceived. But we want to move on. Another title given to him is in verse 10, the accuser of the brethren. And the voice from heaven says, Now salvation, power and the kingdom of our God have come. The authority of Christ is finally here because the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. I want you to see something here very carefully. Read slowly. The, uh, the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ have finally come. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren has been thrown out who accuses them before God day and night. Okay. Now, we want the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ to come into our life, to come into our home, and to come into our church. There are three places where we need the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ to come. Do you know what a tremendous difference will happen in your life when the authority of Christ comes into your life? Do you know what a tremendous difference will come in your home when the authority of Christ comes into your home? And do you know what a tremendous difference it will make in your church when the authority of Christ comes into your church? How can we make it happen? How did it happen here? Because the accuser of the brethren was thrown out. When the spirit of accusation, when the spirit of accusing the brothers and sisters is thrown out of my life, the authority of Christ comes into my life. This is the main reason why many believers do not have the authority of Christ in their life. They use the name of Jesus, but nothing happens. Because the devil says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, and sudden such a brother I know, and sudden such a brother I know. But who are you? <laughs> you are in fellowship with me. I accuse the brothers, and you accuse the brothers. I accuse the sisters, and you accuse the sisters. Of course. The difference between you and me is this, that when I accuse the brothers and sisters, I don't quote it with some spiritual language. But when you accuse the brothers and sisters, you quote it with a spiritual language, but it's the same spirit. Who are you? You have no power over me. And because of that, there is no authority in the lives of many believers. There is no authority when they speak the word of God. There is no authority of Christ in their homes. Do you know that the devil is not supposed to have any place in your home? No place. Why does the devil have place in your home? Why does he lay hold of some of your children? It's because of the spirit of accusation. Some of you sisters keep on accusing your husbands. You're inviting the devil into your home. Some of you husbands keep on accusing your wives. You accuse your children. Your children accuse your parents. You sit at home and accuse the brothers and sisters. You even speak against the elders. 
You are opening every door to the devil. You are opening the windows and the doors and the ventilators also. And say, come in Satan. And then you wonder, why these things don't work in your home? Oh brother, I am having problems. I am having this problem, that problem. You will have problems all your life. The authority of Christ has come because the accuser of the brethren has been cast out. Who accuses them before God day and night. You are also accusing before God because the Lord is there. Which place is there where the Lord is not there? But there are a few who overcame, verse 11, who overcame this spirit of accusation, who overcame this accuser and said, you're not going to have any place in my life. You wretched accuser, you wretched deceiver, you will have no place in my life. You will have no place in my home. And you will have no place in my church. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They used their mouth to fight against Satan, not to accuse the brothers and sisters. And therefore, and they did not love their life unto death. They judged themselves. They put their own life to death. They don't try to put other people to death. Like the devil does with the spirit of accusation. I am absolutely convinced that this is one of the first things the devil seeks to put into the lives and homes of believers. And it's a very difficult thing to get rid of. It comes very quickly when you turn to Genesis and chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We read about the time when the serpent deceived Eve. There you see deception. He's called the deceiver of the whole world. It started with deception. He deceived Eve. And then he used Eve to deceive Adam. So deception came to the entire human race. Because there were only two people in the human race there. The entire human race got deceived. The husband got deceived through the wife and the wife got deceived directly by the devil. And then, when God came there, they were afraid of God. They had tried to hide from God. All these things happen when the devil comes in. We become afraid of God. We try to hide things. This spirit of hiding that you see in children, that you see in Ananias and Sapphira, and that you see in so many believers started there. They wanted to hide. And then when God spoke to Adam and said, what have you done? Immediately you see how the spirit of accusation has come out of Adam. He never blamed his wife till that moment. They had glorious fellowship. It says here, in chapter 2 verse 25 they were both naked and they were not ashamed not only he did not accuse his wife it says in Genesis 2:23 when God Adam was so lonely because he saw all the animals having partners 
and he did not have a partner. And it says, as he named the animals one by one by one by one, he found every one of them had a partner. And he did not have one. And God could see his loneliness. God sees the loneliness of people. And he put him to sleep. And he took out a rib and made a woman. And when he saw the woman, the living Bible paraphrases it like this, Genesis 2.23. Adam exclaimed, this is it! This is it! Those who are led by God, who seek the kingdom of God first, who are asleep in the will of God, at rest in God, like Adam, seeking to glorify God, God one day brings a woman to them, even today, to be their wife, and they see her, and they feel like Adam. This is it. He didn't have to pray about it for any length of time. He knew this is it. That was the leading of God. It was love at first sight. It was pure love. He knew this is it. And he named her woman. Because it was taken out of man. You're part of me actually. Eve, you're part of me. Near my heart, God took out a rib. I can feel it. There's a rib missing here. That's you. That's how they were. So close together. Wonderful fellowship. And then the devil came. And ruined it. And now he doesn't say, this is it. And you're my, near my heart. And it's all gone. He accuses her in Genesis 3. This woman, God you know who's the cause of all the problem? This woman. Verse 12. He doesn't even call her my wife. This woman. Can you imagine what happened? In one day, everything changed. One day, 24 hours. On the seventh day, they both had such wonderful fellowship. That was the first day of their life, the Sabbath day. They had wonderful fellowship with God and with one another. And the next day, it was accusation. This woman. How soon after marriage, accusations begin. How soon after brothers come together to start a new church, accusations begin. The spirit of accusation. Where are the overcomers? About whom it can be written, they overcame the accuser of the brethren. Shall we have some overcomers in our churches? At least in the future days? Shall we have some overcomers in our homes? Who have overcome this wretched spirit of accusation that came from Adam and Eve to all of us sitting here? The spirit of blaming. It's there. It's, it is in our flesh. No matter how much you are filled with the Spirit, it is there in your flesh. And if you don't put it to death from the most Spirit-filled man's mouth, can come accusation. And that is darkness. So when we say, because it's the Spirit of the accuser. 
And to have no part, dark means no accusation. No accusing my wife or my husband about anything. Finished. Indirectly accusing God. Why did you give me such a wife? I know brothers who are married who wonder why in the world did I get such a wife and even indirectly blame God. Why didn't you stop me from marrying her? Who chose her? Did God catch you by the neck and make you marry her? No. You went and married her and now you blame God. You chose that man. Nobody put a gun to your head and said marry him. Don't blame God. Humble yourself. Get rid of the spirit of accusation. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Let him destroy those works in your heart. Let him destroy it. And if you feel helpless, say, Lord, destroy the spirit of accusation in my heart. How easily children pick up that spirit of accusation. How easy it is for people to begin to find fault with others. It never goes well with people. I have seen through the years in our churches, in CFC and other churches, People who felt that they were called to set things straight. Their ministry was to set everybody straight. To tell people what was wrong with them. They would sit in the meeting and give marks to the various brothers. Marks to the various brothers who shared the word. and It was like an examiner sitting there. You know what happens to them? They all fall away. Some sooner, some later. But they all fall away. You know why? If the church is spiritual, <clears throat> if the church is not spiritual, they remain. See, one mark of God being with the church is that God adds to the church. A second mark of God being with the church is that God removes certain people from the church. So God adds and He removes. That's how we know that God is with the church. And I'll show you that in scripture. In Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2 and verse 47, the last sentence in Acts chapter 2 is, The Lord kept on adding to their number, day by day, those who should be saved. So we know that the Lord is the one who adds to the church. And in the book of Zephaniah, in chapter 3, we read Zephaniah and um, chapter 3. I will remove from your midst, verse 11, Zephaniah 3.11, the middle. I will remove from your midst your proud exulting ones and I will leave among you in the church, verse 12, a humble, lowly people. God is the one who removes. So we see God adds and God removes. You want to know whether God is with your church or not? He adds those who long to be saved. That's what it says. He adds those who want to be saved. 
and he removes the proud exulting ones who are here to criticize and find fault with everybody and as long as those two things are happening in your church you can be pretty sure god is with you if both those things are not happening i'd say god is not with your church i don't care what you say god was with jesus how do i know he added to him peter james john andrew thomas he removed from him in john chapter 6 many many people who got offended with what jesus said in john chapter 6 that's how we know god was with jesus he added and he removed with the apostles god added people who should be there he removed ananias and sapphira and a whole lot of other people who were offended with the preaching of the word and we have seen right from the beginning in our midst god adds and he removes we don't do it god is the one who adds and he removes and he removes the proud exulting ones who have the spirit of accusation maybe some of you have it and you have survived till today but i will tell you if you don't give it up it is just a matter of time before almighty god himself will remove you from whatever church you are in if god is with that church but if the elder himself is a backslider you will continue to flourish in such a church but i don't believe that a spirit of accusation can flourish in a church where god is there i'll tell you turn to revelation chapter 12 again what happened to this accuser of the brethren verse 8 the last part of verse 8 there was no longer a place found for them in heaven and they were cast to the earth there was no longer a place found for them in heaven and then it says in verse 12 for this reason rejoice o heavens and you who dwell in them which reason that there is no place found for the devil in heaven rejoice but i feel sorry for you who are on the earth verse 12 because the earth devil has come down to you and notice another thing here rejoice verse 12 o heavens and you who dwell in them those who are living in the heavenlies those who are in the heavenlies those who have been raised up with christ and dwell in the heavenly places rejoice a church which consists of people dwelling in the heavenly places rejoice for there is no place found in such a church for those who have the spirit of the accuser verse 8 no place was found for them among the heaven dwellers but if your church is full of earth dwellers if your church is filled with people who are earthly minded earth dwellers then verse 12 woe unto you because the devil flourishes in your midst he flourishes in your homes he flourishes in your church and your elders have no ability to drive him out because they are also earth dwellers they are also accusers themselves 
What a need there is for people who have cleansed themselves of the spirit of accusation. Who can say like Jesus, the accuser comes but he has no place in me. No. It's none of my business. He who could turn to the Pharisees and say, you hypocrites, you who, you blind guides, you who strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. In all those words in Matthew 23, there was no spirit of accusation. Do you know that you can rebuke without the spirit of accusation? Jesus does it. As many as I love, he says, I rebuke. But he never accuses. There's a difference between rebuking your children and accusing your children. Lot of difference. Rebuke is godly. Scolding is ungodly. Accusing is ungodly. Accusing is demonic. You say, I don't know the difference. Ask God to show you. It's in your spirit. You can get a definition of the difference now. It won't help you. In your spirit you know whether you, you got a spirit of accusing people. I'll tell you how to find out. When you hate somebody, when you don't like somebody, or you're jealous of somebody because his ministry is more blessed than yours, his business is being blessed much more than yours, he's earning more than you, he's living in a better house than you, his children are better than you, and the spirit of jealousy rises up in you. And then what happens, like the Pharisees, you're watching, watching, watching to find something in that person to accuse. And one day God allows you to see something. God wants to trip you up. God wants to trip you up. And He allows you to see something because He wants you to fall. You say, God wants me to fall? Absolutely. Second Thessalonians 2.11 says, God will send upon them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Turn to 2 Thessalonians 2.11. It's one of the most fearful verses in the whole Bible. 2 Thessalonians 2.11 God will send upon people. Upon which people? The last part of verse 10. Those who don't love the truth so as to be saved. People who don't love the truth so as to be saved. God will send upon them a strong delusion that they might believe what is false. What is the false thing God will allow you to believe? God will allow you to believe something false about one of His children. Which is not true. You will hear some rumor which is absolutely false. But God will allow you to believe it. God will allow you to believe a false rumor about one of his servants. Why does God allow you to believe what is false? Because he wants to trip you up. Why does he want to trip you up? Because he sees that you don't love the truth about yourself. To be saved. You don't want to be saved from sin. You don't want to be saved from the spirit of accusation. You don't have a tremendous cry, Oh God, the spirit of accusation is in me. Deliver me. He, he doesn't see that cry in you. 
So God says, okay, let me trip him up. Let me trip her up. And then you believe what is false and you will spread what is false. And maybe ten years later or five years later, you will discover that all that you said was wrong. And then you will go to that brother and say, brother, I'm sorry. I said something wrong about you. But by the time the lie has spread all over the world, how can you rectify it? The lie that went out of your mouth has gone to another person. Tributaries have come out from that river. And tributaries have come out from the tributaries. And finally it's gone all over the world. How in the world can you ever rectify it? You cannot rectify it. In the world they have a proverb that you are, a, you are the master of the unspoken word and a slave of the spoken word. Understood? What you don't speak, which you keep inside, you are a master of that. But what you have spoken, that has come out of your mouth, you are a slave of that for the rest of your life because that word that has come out of your mouth has gone to somebody's ear, has gone out of his mouth to another ten people's ear and those ten people have sent it to somebody else and in a few days it's gone all over. It's now it goes by email also. And it's one click. It goes to so many people. Amazing. And then after some time you discover it's all wrong and you try to take it back. How can you take it back? You're a slave. You are a slave because you said it. Be careful about what you say. We speak about a lot of things concerning which we know almost nothing. That is why it is said about Jesus. He would never judge Isaiah 11 by what his eyes saw or his ears heard. Very good example to follow. Never judge by what your eyes see or your ears hear. Why do we judge? Supposing your eyes saw something or your ears heard something about your own daughter. Supposing somebody said something about your own daughter or your own son. You'd say, no, it can't be true. Why, why do you say it can't be true? Because you love your son or daughter. But you hear something about somebody else whom you don't like or someone you're a bit jealous of. You not only believe it, you spread it. Brother, did you hear this about so and so? I'm only sharing it for prayer. And he goes to somebody else, Brother, I've got something to share with you in prayer. Please don't tell anybody. Did you hear this about so and so? And it goes on. All these prayer requests. Pious religious garbage. And the devil is happy. He's happy when his accusation spirit goes under the guise of prayer requests. Be careful. See, as Ezekiel chapter 3, if you don't believe that God puts something to trip people up, it's not my expression. Ezekiel chapter 3. Supposing a righteous man, he's talking about a believer in verse 20. A righteous man turns away from his righteousness. He begins to become careless. 
and commits iniquity. Let's say in this case begins to accuse. What will God do? I will place a little stone in front of him. And he will stumble on that and fall down and die spiritually. Who is placing that little stone in front of him? God. Not man. God places a little stone in front of that man to trip him up. Do you believe God does such things? It depends on whether you believe the Bible or not. I believe the Bible. I believe God does such things. He doesn't do it for everybody. He doesn't do it for humble people who spend their life judging themselves. He does it for people who spend their life judging other people. He does not do it for people who sit in the meeting saying, Lord, speak to me. That word is for me. He never does it to such people. He does it to people who sit in the meeting and are judging everybody else in their church. He does it for wives who are judging their husbands. He does it for husbands who are judging their wives. He puts a little obstacle in front of them. They stumble and fall. Do you know the number of people I know in our churches who have heard these truths for years? From childhood they have heard these truths. And look at their spiritual condition today. They should have been some of the most godly saints in India. They are carnal, worldly, quarreling wives and husbands who have heard the truth from childhood in the church. We've been going 28 years. There are many people who have grown up in our church as little children who have grown up and married, who should have been some of the finest, sweetest saints in India, but they are not. They are sour, hard to get along with, difficult, because God put a little stumbling block in front of them. Because they never got rid of the spirit of accusation from their lives. <clears throat> you know, as I, as my wife and I go around the different churches, it's easy to see how it is in the different places. And some places, it is so good to be with the brothers and sisters. They are so hungry for the word. They have such a respect for someone who takes the trouble to come to them to give them the word of God. They are so eager, so hungry. And I don't mind sitting up with them till two o'clock in the morning. Because they are hungry for the word. And my wife loves to be with those sisters who are hungry for the word and who talk about the word. And such places... I can see through the years what a tremendous development takes place. Peaceful growth in the church from strength to strength to strength. Every time I go, I find church is better. And then there are other places. Same our churches, preaching the same doctrine, singing the same songs. But it's not the same. They ask my wife, how is it with the sisters here? Because you fellowship with them. She says, they are only interested in gossip. I'm not surprised. No wonder the church is like that. They're not interested in God's word. <clears throat> they have no respect for godly people. 
They think so they know so much themselves. They just sit and gossip and talk and talk and talk and talk. You think they, they hear the same message. It has no effect on them. God has put a little stumbling block in front of them. They stumble over it and fall and they remain there. And they don't know their condition. They sit like pious people in the meeting. But they are spiritually dead. No passionate love for Jesus. I don't want to judge them. It's none of my business. I know what the Lord has told me, Son of Man. Speak to them whether they will hear or they won't. Your responsibility is to speak to them. It's over. The rest I take care of. That's what he said. Speak my words. Ezekiel 3. Go and tell them, thus said the Lord, whether they will hear or they don't hear. You read that in chapter 2 and chapter 3. It's sad. And I want to tell you, the churches where they are eager, where they have a tremendous respect for the word of God and those who bring his word, are very few. Unfortunately, very, very few. I praise God for those churches. I praise God to see the way that it develops spiritually. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about obvious spiritual growth. So much depends on the leader. If the leader is a godly man and he is lucky enough to have a godly wife, boy, there's absolutely nothing that God cannot do there. God is looking for one man and he's looking for one woman, one godly couple. And that's why when I look at you young people, I wish some of you will be those godly couples in future generations to lead the churches forward. Don't expect that the older brothers you see are going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. They are not. Almost all the apostles died in their 60s. Do you know that? All. I mean, James died when he was 30. But most of the others died in their 60s. Except John, who lived up to 95 or 100. All the others. They were killed. They were healthy people, but they were killed. Every one of them. I don't know about Thomas. I think he died before he was 60. But... There was another generation that took over. But it wasn't as good as the first generation. And that's why by the time you come to the second century, you see the backslidden condition of so many churches. You see that in Revelation 2 and 3. It's sad. Dear brothers and sisters, God is longing. Longing, longing. I've often, you know, sometimes I get discouraged, I'll tell you. I never get discouraged about my own life, never. <laughs> but I say, Lord, why is it we don't see a second level of leadership coming up? Why is it, Lord? Don't you love India? Where are the prophets? Where are the apostles? And I believe there are two or three reasons why we don't see them coming forth 
One is the love of money, materialism. God does not give spiritual riches to those who are not faithful with earthly riches. If a man loves money, he can never get revelation from heaven. He can get bright ideas, clever thoughts, good illustrations, but he can't get God's riches. God's riches are given to a man who has settled his relationship with money. Secondly, God gives his riches and his word to those who are careful with their speech. And very few people are careful with their speech. Most people are so careless with their speech. Young brothers and young sisters. And God can't put his word on the tongue of a person who is careless with his speech. You may look odd in the company you are in when you are careful with your speech. Because everybody else is so careless. My dear young brother, dear young sister, dare to be different. Dare to be different. Even if your fellow believers in the same church say, ah, don't try to be a spiritual snob. Let them say what they like. You've got a calling from God. Be different. Dare to be different. Keep yourself pure, Paul told Timothy. Keep yourself pure. I say to all of you young brothers and sisters, keep yourself pure. God needs you in this land. Keep yourself pure. Be careful with your speech. Don't get caught in this trap of accusation, careless speech. Many things you hear, ignore them. Ignore them. Be careful. Don't judge by what your eyes see or your ears hear. Follow Jesus, who never judged by what his eyes saw or his ears heard. He saw them, he heard them, but he took them to the Father and waited for an impression from the Father. Do that. Don't be a gossip. Don't be a backbiter. Don't sit in the church giving marks to people. That's not your business. God is the one who gives marks. He's the examiner. Don't give marks. If somebody is a bore, let him be a bore. Let God deal with him. I told you what to do. Just switch off and think about something else. But don't judge him. Leave his judgment to God. I don't waste my time listening to people who have got nothing to say. And sometimes there are people who get up in a church with nothing to say. I don't listen to them. I switch my mind off to something else. Sometimes I just read some other portion of the Bible. Why this fellow is going on and on. And when he sits down, I finish. I'm not saying that you should listen to someone who's got nothing to say. But I don't judge them. Because they're not my servants. God is their judge. He will judge them in due course. But I want to keep my heart pure. I want to be alert. I want to be careful with my tongue. I don't want to be a gossip. I don't want to be a backbiter. I don't want to accuse anybody. It's not my business. I will not give even a little finger to the devil to hold hands with me. Leave alone my whole hand to fellowship and accusing somebody. It's not my business. I've got a calling of God upon my life and I don't want to lose it. Do you feel like that? Have you ever wept and cried and said, Oh God, please don't me, let me ever lose the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I have done that many times. Lord, don't let me lose. Take away, take away my health if you like. My money, my house, everything, but don't let me lose the anointing. How many of you value that? Dear brothers, God needs you. Those who overcome the spirit of this accuser, 
those who will not allow their life to sink to the level of their fellow believers in their church who dare to be different who stand alone if necessary for god even their fellow elders may sink let them sink what can you do i'm not going to sink with them if they want to sink let them sink i'm not going to sink with them how many of you young people will dare to be different from your fellow young people in your church who are going another way make jesus your example some of you come from some places and you're wholehearted and you're seeking to um follow the lord i know some mothers have said this we come to cfc and we see some of the young people there are pretty worldly i say okay don't follow them dare to be different if the cfc young people are worldly don't follow their example be different they are not your example jesus is your example and i tell those mothers don't let your daughters follow that example which is bad preserve them cfc is not a specimen of the most holy young people in the world no there are worldly people in every church don't follow their example dare to be different let those who are worldly be worldly the bible says that he who is filthy let him be filthy still he who is worldly let them be worldly still those who want to follow the fashions of the world let them follow the fashions of the world but the one who wants to be holy let him be holy still and the one who wants to be righteous let them be righteous still so don't look at people who are backslidden and make them your example because you will sink with them don't judge them that's not your business let god deal with them if they go to hell they go to hell don't worry about that but you preserve yourself preserve your children preserve your children from following the worldly example of other young people even in your own church don't allow them to become gossips and backbiters and accusers when you sense that parents warn them protect them overcome the accuser bring back the authority of christ into our life into our home into the church that it can be said there was no place found for the accuser of the brethren in my life or in my home or in my church and so the authority of christ and the kingdom of god have come what a home that can be that is god's will for us we read in the book of zechariah chapter 3 about the spirit of accusation that is found in Satan Joshua the high priest you know the high priest was supposed to be the leader the top leader and there are people who will accuse even the top leader Satan is there to accuse the high priest in those days the high priest was the main man the main man of god joshua the high priest and he had defects in him you think there's a man on earth who has no defects in him you got to go to heaven and do you know there's a verse in the bible which says god finds defects even in the angels in heaven <laughs> you read that in the book of job he finds defects even in the angels in heaven <clears throat> what about people on earth 
There is not a man on earth who does not have defects. But the devil points them out to you and makes you accuse them. So Joshua the high priest, it says very clearly in verse 3, he was clothed with filthy garments. So naturally, Satan was standing at the right hand, verse 1, to accuse him. Lord, he claims to be your child. He claims to be a leader. Look at his dress. Look at the way he lives. Look at this. Look at that. Look at his children. Look this, that and the other. Okay. And what does the Lord say? Verse 2. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, because this is somebody whom I have plucked from the fire. And the Lord Jesus is our advocate. He says, remove the filthy garments. And Joshua says, I don't have anything to... I don't want an attachment to these filthy garments. And he's clothed, not just with clean garments, but with festal robes. Like, you know, grand clothes. Not just clean clothes, but grand ones. And Zechariah, the young man, the prophet... He got so excited when he saw this. That's the wonderful thing I want you to see. He does not join hands with Satan. He does not join hands with Satan and say, Lord, that's right. That's right, Joshua's dirty. When Satan is accusing, Zechariah keeps quiet. A very wise thing to do. When Satan is accusing, keep quiet. But when Jesus came along and put the garments on him, then Zechariah says, Lord, not only garments, put a turban on his head. A clean turban. Make him glorious, more glorious. What a ministry. The opposite of the spirit of accusation. To make a brother glorious. And then, the Lord gave a charge to Joshua and gave him authority. Because the spirit of accusation was driven out of that place. And that's what God wants to see in every church in our land. You know, earlier you see in Zechariah chapter 2, the last part of verse 8, He who touches you, touches the apple of God's eye. Sometimes, accidentally, our finger has touched the apple of our eye. And you know how painful it is? You touch any other part of your body, it's not painful. But you touch the apple of your eye even slightly. And you react, it's painful. You you don't take time to react. And the Lord says, Anyone who touches you, touches the apple of my eye. My reaction will be immediate. Because you cannot touch the apple of my eye. Psalm 105, verse 15. Psalm 105, verse 15. Do not touch my anointed ones. And don't try to harm my prophets. Don't touch my anointed ones. And don't try to harm my prophets. Because God takes that very seriously when somebody does it. I've seen what has happened to people who have a critical spirit, who are always trying to set other people straight. 
who are always, who think, well, I am my brother's keeper. I've got to keep my brothers. You know, who used the expression, the brother's keeper? Cain. Please don't use Cain's expression. I say, the Lord is my keeper. He keeps me. Thank you very much. But there are people who think they are appointed by God, you know, self-appointed prophets. In James chapter 3, it says, in James chapter 3, verse 1. James chapter 3, verse 1. In the Amplified Bible, verse 1 reads like this. My brothers, don't be self-constituted censors of other people's actions. Don't be self-appointed examiners of other people. Who has appointed you as an examiner of other people? Did God say, come here, I've appointed you as an examiner over all the people in your church? No. It is conceit and arrogance on your part to think that you are that. You are not. There is only one judge, the Bible says in James 4, and he's able to do his job without any help from you. Did you know that? Do you know that God is able to judge people without your help? If only we can get that revelation. Lord, I now realize you don't need my help to judge people. I thought for so many years that you couldn't do your job without my help. God says, thank God you realize now. I can do my job without your help. Thank you very much. He can judge people without your help. He doesn't need your recommendation or your certificate or your accusation. How many of you, my brothers and sisters, have destroyed your usefulness to God because of the spirit of accusation? And that's why God has not been able to build something in spite of all the truths you have heard in these years in CFC, God has not been able to build something solid in the place you live in. He could have done something solid if you had given no place to the accuser, driven it out. Then the authority of Christ would have been manifested in your church. But you have listened to gossipers and you listen more and more to gossipers and Accuse people in the church on the basis of the gossip that you heard. And what is the result? What is the result? Look at the confusion that has come where you live and where you are. Shall we repent? Shall we drive out the spirit of the accuser? May God help us. Let's pray. My dear brother, sister, let the light of God fill your life and let darkness have no part in your life. Accusation is a major part of darkness. God can do his work of judgment without any help from you. He does not need any help from you. You may have your opinions of different people, keep them. I'm not saying you've got to change your opinions, but keep them to yourself. Unless you are an apostle or an elder who has to speak about it. But if you are not an apostle, 
or an elder brother responsible for others, keep those opinions to yourself. Let them die with you. Let them sink with you. Let them be buried with you. And say, Lord, I'm not an apostle. I'm not an elder over other people. I don't have to have an opinion about those people. If you are an apostle or you are an elder, then I agree. You have to have an opinion of the people committed to your charge. Not about other people, but the people committed to your charge. Like if you are a father or a mother, you must have an opinion about your children. Because they are committed to your charge. The problem has arisen because you have gone outside your boundary. You have gone outside your boundary and then it becomes accusation. You got involved in things that don't concern you one bit. What have you gained from it? Nothing. What have you lost? Years of usefulness to God have been lost. The word of God that could have been on your mouth, including sisters, the spirit of God could have made you prophesy and been a blessing to multitudes of sisters and brothers. Lost. Lost. Years and years lost. Will you put an end to it today? Can it be said about in your life, there is no place found for the spirit of the accuser in my life or in my home anymore. I can't do anything about other people, but I can certainly do something about the spirit of accusation when it is found in my life or in my home. Oh, my dear brother and sister, think about it. Think about the seriousness of this. Think how God's work has been hindered through you. Think how the loss that has come to the church in India when God kept you in the church to be a useful instrument for His service and you have allowed Satan to come and destroy it. Repent, repent, repent. Let there be much weeping and mourning and saying, God, that no more place will be found for the accuser in my life or in my home. take it seriously. I hope somebody here will take it seriously. I hope some of you will really take it seriously. I plead with you, my beloved brothers and sisters, God needs you young people. Be available to Him. Don't be like the others around you. Determine to be a useful instrument in God's hand. Value the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit more than anything else on earth and say, Lord, I repent, I turn, forgive me, Lord, I've never taken this accusation habit that I have seriously, but I'm going to take it seriously tonight. I'll never be the same again. Lord, I'll never be the same again. Help me, I'm weak. You've got to drive the darkness out of my life. You've got to separate the darkness. Please help me, Lord. I'm willing to submit 100% to you. But please drive this darkness out of my life. Please destroy the work of the devil in my life. Do the work you came to earth for to destroy the works of the devil. Lord, I can't do it, but I'm determined to submit to you. Thank you, Lord. Say, thank you, Lord. I believe you'll do it in my life. Don't conclude without that word of faith. Thank you, Lord. You will do it in my life. You will do it in my life. Yes, you will do it. Yes, Lord, you will do it. You will do it in many lives, we believe. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Lord. It's going to be wonderful in the days to come. It's going to be wonderful in our lives. It's going to be wonderful in our homes. And our churches are going to be different because there's no place found for the accuser of the brethren. And the Lord will restore your health to you, the Bible says in Isaiah 58, when you stop pointing the finger at other people. Even your health will come back to you when you stop pointing the finger at others. Heavenly Father, help us. We are needy. Fill us with the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of one who intercedes and prays for God's people instead of accusing them. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.